As part of the efforts throughout the, the U.S., we have been putting together studies and we've been looking at a lot of data. And we came up with the figure being $32 billion per year is the cost of incontinence. It's substantial. And when we looked at other costs, it's actually higher than breast, ovarian, cervical, and uterine cancers combined. $32 billion. That is a lot of money for the U.S. economy to be missing out on because those suffering from incontinence can't find the treatment or products they need to live their life without worrying about their condition. So what are the needs of those suffering from incontinence, and what can companies do to meet those needs? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene. I'm your host, Jack Hughes. Global Digital Marketing Manager at Bostic. On every episode of Attached to Hygiene, Bostic and other industry experts provide valuable insight into market and consumer trends in the disposable hygiene industry and how article producers like you can increase their success and reach their business goals. On today's episode, we're continuing our conversation with Adam Greenberg and Vicki Wolpoff from North Shore Care Supply. On part one, we discuss the condition of incontinence and the state of the market in the U.S., along with the needs of institutions. On this episode, we're diving deeper into the needs of incontinence sufferers. As we covered on the last episode, North Shore undertook a multi-year process of interviewing and surveying incontinence sufferers to find out where they were struggling and what companies like North Shore could do to help them manage their care earlier and improve their lives. Well, talked a little bit about some of the needs and obviously dove into the demographics, but I'm going to dive a little deeper on some of the needs and, and the consumer needs that these people with the condition are, are suffering from. You know, Adam, you touched a lot on these on your presentation at Hygienics, so we'll kind of start with, with the North Shore team, but can we dive into some of the needs that these incontinent sufferers are dealing with? Sure. So the number one need that everybody has is for dryness. So the number one function of an absorbent product is to absorb so that keeping the person's skin dry, their clothing dry, linens at night dry is number one. And regardless of if, if it's uh, you know a male with a couple drops of, of overflow or somebody that has total incontinence, that everybody feels like as soon as some, their, their clothing gets wet, that's the world is going to find out what they want to keep. Uh, private and have the right to keep keep private. So uh, dryness is utmost importance, regardless of light stress incontinence or 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 total incontinence. Other things that complement that are the need for odor control, because obviously there is the potential for odor issues for both urinary and bowel uh, incontinence. So odor is something that, as brands, as manufacturers, distributors of absorbent products, we are constantly working on improving ways to counterbalance uh, odor so that the patient can, uh, the user can be more discreet and more comfortable, more dignified for as long as possible. Of course, comfort, fit, style, all those things uh, factor into, and everybody has different preferences and needs. So there's no one size fits all approach for uh, any two people there. So having a wide variety of options so somebody can find what's most comfortable and 
acceptable for for their own needs and body shape and lifestyle is very, very important. So innovation around comfort, uh, bulkiness, uh, fit, sizing, those types of things are have you know have, have greatly improved over the last uh, 10 to 15 years and are providing uh, consumers and patients a lot more options there to have something that's more uh, dignified for them. Financial is a huge problem uh, for most people besides uh, dealing with the incontinence. They have all these other typical, these other uh, healthcare costs of dealing, living with incontinence. So it can be a very expensive condition to manage, and especially if it's uh, the heavier it gets. And it's often a symptom of some other or multiple other healthcare conditions that somebody is managing. So that extra burden of needing absorbent products or other things, which oftentimes may not be covered by insurance or even by Medicare in many, in most cases. So uh, if they're, if they're a senior, so um, incontinence, unfortunately, is uh, typically an out-of-pocket expense for, for most people, uh, which is unfortunate. And, and even uh, half the states consider uh, incontinence supplies to be a normal consumer item that is fully taxed for sales tax. So they don't get the benefit of lower sales tax for incontinence supplies yet. In, in many states. So there's just a lot of things working against the average person who is uh, trying to find the right uh, mix of products uh, to manage their condition. And, uh, you know, then, you know, often one other barrier that they deal with is just confusion in the marketplace. So they're really confused by the terminology, the, by the packaging, by the products themselves, how to use the products, you know, so they're often just going rogue and trying to mix and match products as best they can to try to find some combination that will keep them dry and odor-free. And what they're doing and oftentimes is making it worse by mixing products that aren't meant to be used together. And that often frustrates them even more to the point where they may even further self-isolate themselves and not seek care because uh, they're so embarrassed by what they're going through. And at the same time, then they're spending lots of money trying to patchwork some solution together for themselves, which is further frustrating their efforts to improve. So it's a very uh, difficult, there are lots of needs. The heavier the incontinence, the more more of those needs multiply, the less options there are and the more uh, confusing and costly it does get for, for, uh, for consumers and patients. And that's an interesting point on the taxation of incontinence products, Adam. I know there are many municipalities and even states that are looking to eliminate sales tax on things like feminine hygiene products, but you don't hear as much of it about incontinence products. And, and again, I think it lends itself to that less of the awareness, more of the stigma, not something that people are with there's 80 million people suffering from incontinence, but half of the U.S. population at some point in time will deal with menstruation. And so it's, it's more well-known. It's more, it's more common, or at least more people have more awareness about it. And so, I, again, I think the, the benefit of having these conversations is raising the awareness to levels of people who can make those, those changes and, and, and allow the Incontinence suffers a little bit of easier access and, and less of a burden for something that ultimately they can't control. Yes, I'd agree. I think a lot of it goes back to education. So, you know, a lot of the lawmakers out there still have this view, and, and the general population does as well, that it somehow incontinence is, is, uh, is somebody's fault. Like it's they, they're doing something to cause their incontinence when really all they're, they're doing is just living, living their life and it's, it's, a, it's a symptom of whatever they're going through at that time. So we are, uh, as the adult incontinence industry, seeing some gains, but you're right. The the states are quicker to move on things like feminine hygiene products and baby diapers 
to make them tax-free or lower lower tax item. And some states are adding adult incontinence products onto that. And um, unfortunately, it is kind of the third wheel in this in this area. But uh, uh, North Shore is working very hard. Uh, Vicky as well is very active in a variety of organizations that are lobbying states and national organizations to improve uh, the financial situation for how we how we pay for incontinence products. And there's a lot of improvement to be done there so that more people can afford the products that they desperately need. Yeah. Just to add, so as part of the efforts throughout the the U.S., we have been putting together studies and we've been looking at a lot of data. And we came up with the figure being $32 billion per year is the cost of incontinence. It's substantial. And when we looked at other costs, it's actually higher than breast, ovarian, cervical, and uterine cancers combined. I mean, it, it's really, again, things you don't know until you do the research and until you start talking about it, very significant. And I assume, does that, does that also include, you know, lost productivity and things like that? Absolutely. Exactly. People being isolated, people who aren't allowed to work remotely from home, who, as you know, you said, Diane, people who want to go and live life and they want to go and work out and they want to be fit and they can't or they're not. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's an eye opening number right there. And and again, I think it just shows the importance of the education side of things and how that can really make a difference in in propelling the awareness and, and the support for sufferers forward. Absolutely. Now, Adam, you you touched on this briefly as far as confusion in the market goes. And I, I know this was a big part that of your presentation in hygienics that stuck out to me was the confusion around products and sizing, but also just terminology. And so can you can you dive a little deeper into the challenges so that consumers are facing when they're going to order or research incontinence products? Yeah, confusion is a huge barrier for people to get started on products and something that uh, us here at North Shore, we spend a lot of time preparing educational materials on our website, on our blog articles, and our product packaging to help people through that initial phase of just mass confusion because there is no standardization within the industry of how to uh, call products. Everybody is using euphemisms going back to the stigma issue. Unfortunately, we, we don't call them adult diapers because only babies wear diapers in, in this culture, unfortunately. So we have to use words like briefs and underwear and pads and liners uh, and underpads. Well, they all sound very much the same. They're all basically, you know, if you had to ask somebody to draw a picture of any of those products, they, they would be just, they all, they all look and sound the same. So it's very confusing. Somebody may have an idea in their mind which style of product they, they need or are looking for. Let's say it's a pull-on style, underwear style absorbent product. Some will say underwear, some will say briefs, some will say uh, disposable, absorbent underwear, any combination there. And uh, they will be very confused. But then the tab style tape-on products are also called briefs by a lot of brands as well. So I can't tell you how many times we've got emails and other correspondence from customers saying, I wanted uh, pull-up style underwear, but you sent me uh, you know, extra large baby diapers and how embarrassing that was and my husband. Uh, saw those, and you know I'm never going to order your brand again because you uh, sent me the wrong product, and so forth and so on. So, unfortunately, this is uh, something that we need to do a better job uh, being consistent across the across companies across the industry and how we uh, call product. And us as uh, product providers, 
use different terminology than the healthcare providers use when they're talking face-to-face with a patient. They're using even more euphemisms in that area because uh, you know they don't want to embarrass the the patient that they're speaking with. So, but the patient's probably not going to tell them. I don't really understand what you're saying or understand the differences or uh, and so forth. And uh, and so it is very confusing. You know, Vicky and her team have done a a great job producing educational videos, instructional videos, explaining the differences between the types of absorbent uh, pads and and diapers. Even something as confusing, you know, very confusing to people like booster pads. What is that? When would you use it? What does it do? How do you use it? But I can't tell you how many nurses I've talked to over the last five years have said they see so many patients every day that come into their office with a bladder control pad inside a pull-up, inside a tape-on diaper, inside a plastic pants kind of diaper cover, if you will. And none of it is solving the problem when they're using one of everything, the kitchen sink approach. And it's very, very frustrating to the medical profession when, you know, they basically blame us as the, uh, the hygiene profession for not doing a good enough job educating consumers on what's the right products for their needs. So point taken, and we spent a lot of time over the last uh, couple of years really stepping up our game in that area, working on how do we call products, how do we educate uh, consumers, what's the right products for for their needs? Still, a lot more to be done there, but it's that's a that is a, a major barrier because when somebody gets the wrong product, they may stop trying, right? Because be, they're just extra embarrassed and frustrated and and wasting wasting money. There's a lot of work to be done there, and that's something that that we're certainly focused on. And as we expand into other markets, uh, as far as into retail markets or institutional markets, it's something that we hope to use our experience in the consumer market to help improve the experience at the medical supply shops, at the assisted living buildings, the rehab facilities, uh, and so forth, so that we can help better match the right solutions to the, the patient needs. I'd like to add one of our most read blog articles is why you should not be doubling up, because I think people have realized they've done it and they shouldn't. The only thing you can use multiple of is a booster pad, as we know, but it is one of our most read articles, very popular. And we're seeing, you know, we we talked about the important things, the absorbency, the capacity, the odor control, things like that. But what we're also hearing from our customers and people out there is that they they want more style, right? You know, they wanted, like you're saying, individualize it, personalize it. So they want more, I'll even go as far as to say fun things. So we're we're coming out with colors. We have five colors in our top-selling tab style brief right now, and we're the only one with tie-dye in the country. So, you know, that's appealing to baby boomers, but it's also appealing to the younger generation that's wearing this tie-dye camo now, right? It, it's very popular. And so it's not just about what, you know, the style and the absorbency and odor, that is absolutely critical. But nowadays, as you said, you know, it, it's that personalizing your experience and bringing it to people, you know, making it real for them and making it comfortable for them. And if that's a color, if that's, you know, a, a certain style, if that's a little lighter product, or if it's a, you know, your heavy product, but you need a, you know, you want a little different profile, that's okay. We've got that. Yeah. The the consumers really feel that when the brands add features like fashionability or thinness or new softer materials, they really feel like they lose in the other features that are also very important to them typically. So, okay, you've made a thinner absorbent underwear, but now the absorbent area is only 50% of what it used to be. So you're adding cost in producing 
into these other features, which are very important, but what they'll say is not at the expense of the core features of the product, which they must keep me dry and protect me from leaking onto my clothing. So uh, at North Shore, with this direct-to-consumer approach, which is premium brand mission, you know, we're, we're adding these features without taking away the performance. And in some cases, it's adding costs and the products are getting more expensive, but we're providing more options to people. And going back to the stigma, knowing today how much of a barrier that is to people find, you know, actually getting started and continuing to use these products, uh, you know, we, we've received videos and emails. People are literally crying. They're saying, I never expected to be treated as a, as you mentioned, a normal person being marketed to by a medical supply company for, you know, adult diapers. They just never, never thought that they'd, they'd see that, see the day. And as Vicky said, people of all ages are like, you know, this helps me feel better about living with my condition. And maybe even helps me feel more confident to go out and visit family or to go see a doctor. So we're seeing, you know, huge acceptance in all areas. And we are trying to add uh, fashions, colors, styles, designs to all of our products as quick as possible. It will take time. But what we've found is when you get into fashion, there's no consensus as to what, what the, the market is looking for. So you just try to do as much as, as you can. But the more we, once we started, like the floodgates opened and people started sending us all kinds of suggestions recommendations, even doing their own designs and sending them to us. So it's really been cool because now they see that we're open to a little bit different approach than most of the other brands in our category. And, uh, and they're, they're glomming onto that. They're saying, okay, North Shore is, is my option here to finally get what I've been looking for. And from our standpoint, we're like, why didn't you tell us 10 years ago? We would have been that far ahead. And they just never thought it was possible. So it's really cool, the uh, interaction we have with our customers. And really willing to to work as uh, as testers, as designers, kind of as loyal advocates for us and and our mission to help improve the products, and which they know is not only helping themselves but helping millions of other people. So it's it's really been inspiring. You know, one of the things I wanted to dive into was was you know consumers are finding their voice. They're pushing brands to meet their needs better and to holding brands accountable on, on a number of different topics, but really on some of the basics too. And, and, you know, Adam, you said, you know, why didn't you tell us this 10 years ago? You know, we could have been so far ahead and it's, it's true. I think it's just come with the, the way the market is going and, and consumers having a voice, having more power, more, more, you know, ability to hold brands accountable and ultimately more choice and, and being able to say, well, if you're not meeting my needs, this company is. So guess where I'm going? And ultimately, I think that's good for the market. It's good for consumers, but it, it certainly adds a level of challenge to companies like North Shore and what they have to do to, to meet those needs. Yes, it is. But it's fun too. It really is. Meet them <laughs> yeah. where they want and the choice. I mean, that's, that's growth. Absolutely. Right? It's growing with our customers and responding to them. Yeah. And I think if we were only marketing towards seniors, which no doubt are a large group of the market, uh, we wouldn't get as much feedback because they're more stigmatized. They have less of a view of what's possible. And the younger generation, millennials and even even younger, are reaching out to us because, as as you mentioned, that's just how they've grown up. I mean, they're just used to interacting with brands in so many different ways, and they feel more comfortable at providing us that feedback. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a huge plus for us. And we've been very active now in the last uh, few years at at going back going to where they are as as Vicky mentioned, into these channels that we never would have thought would have provided the kind of insights to us. So, uh, and the fact that they see us there on a regular basis, interacting, answering their questions, providing feedback, sending them samples and 
and so forth. Whatever the case may be, just just has opened the floodgates so that we get even more uh, feedback, good or bad. And they'll tell us when we've made when we've made mistakes, when we have design flaws, when we're missing the boat. We've improved one area, but we've made something else uh, worse. So uh, it provides us more instantaneous feedback, having a closer connection to to the users, which is invaluable as a brand. And I think we're going to see that continue in the market for sure. As you said, millennials, Gen Z, continue to get older, continue to have more purchasing power, particularly Gen Z. Um, it's only going to lead to more, more change, more accountability, more awareness in the market. And older people, I mean, older adults, they want choices. They are active and they are very hip. I mean, they are tech savvy now and, <laughs> you know, they're on their iPads and their their phones and COVID especially elevated, I think, everyone. You know, if you weren't on an electronic device, you probably are now. And because of that, they know there are choices and they know there are options out there. And as you said, you know, they they can find what they're looking for and they're very savvy and we're there to meet that need. We're doing our best to answer their calls and their um, suggestions and respond. And it's apparent. It's apparent through, through what you guys have been doing. So that's great. Absolutely. Thanks. So you mentioned some of the ways that North Shore is, is responding to customer feedback, to institutional feedback. And you know we know that just like any of the other hygiene products out there, Innovation is going to be key and, and evolution is going to be key. So what are some of the solutions and innovations that are coming to the market now in the incontinent space? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really exciting time. There's, there's so many innovations going on on the raw material side, on the manufacturing side, and also, you know, with, with using technology to incorporate with the products themselves to provide more information to the, uh, to the end user. So, you know, we're, we're trying to dabble in all of that and, and see where there's a fit for for North Shore to play. As we talked about, fashion is bringing fashion to the heavy incontinence market is something we feel very strongly is is needed, and we're moving very aggressively uh, in that area. Finding materials that are always always finding materials that can keep the 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 user drier and and reducing odor is going to be something that's very important. And of course, you know, breathability, airflow, in order to help to have the best skin outcome is uh, is very very important. So how do you find the right balance there? in absorbency and odor control and breathability. And I think there's some new innovations uh, coming in that area, which could be uh, very exciting. And, uh, you know, something we're, we're watching very closely and testing out is uh, the whole kind of smart diaper, if you will, the sensor uh, market where there's a lot of innovation uh, going on. There's a lot of trials going on. There's, there's a variety of different technologies, you know, some trying to be, you know, incorporated into other uh, medical records and, and other software and apps and so forth and so on. And uh, anything that can provide more information to the user or their uh, care provider is going to be immensely valuable. So if you could stop that two-hour check and change, uh, or two-hour check, you know, looking for that bowel movement per se or, or other health issues and provide that uh, remotely. And so only provide it when it's needed, not every not every two hours. You know, for example, that's going to be a huge uh, improvement uh, for everybody involved in, in that process. So we're not uh, ready to launch a product in that area, but looking to uh, partner with those that are really the, the innovation leaders in that area and something that we feel very strongly is coming quite quickly, you know, down down the pipeline. Yeah. And the, the sensor side of things, it's something we've been hearing about for a couple of years now. And I, I always kind of question the functionality, the, the usefulness of, of those types of tools in baby diapers, because I think there might be some hesitancy there 
to put an electronic so close to the private parts of a of a baby. But in the adult incontinence market, there's I think there's a ton of benefits and, and that hesitancy definitely isn't there. And as you mentioned, saving time, saving money on waste because you're not unwrapping a diaper and seeing that it's not, you know, not soiled. And then, well, we can't put it back on. So now we got to put a new one on and that diaper then goes to waste when it didn't need to. And there's just a lot of benefits. Yeah. I think two other areas to piggyback off that, that there's a lot of development going on is uh, one regarding sustainability. That's a very important uh, worldwide topic right now. And you're already seeing new products being launched with, with more sustainable packaging especially as regulations are changing around the world quite uh, quickly, but also around reducing potential allergens against the skin. So you're starting to see those advances, especially in the baby diaper market, things like more use of cotton and things like totally chlorine-free wood pulp uh, in the absorbent cores. And there's other areas as well. So some of those are kind of, uh, you know, will be coming to the adult market once they become a little bit more mainstreamed by the trials in the baby market. And those are important to consumers as well. But again, not at the expense of keeping keeping them dry and odor-free and leak-free, which is the main goal. So the consumers would like to have it all. And then us as manufacturers and brands need to figure out the right mix to meet meet the consumer's needs. But they we we can't forget about, you know, one when we when we work on the other. And I was going to mention as a marketing person, I think it's really fun in terms of the innovation that we're seeing, not just in the design. But also the pack, as Adam mentioned, packaging. And that's what my team and I work on a lot is, again, you know, what's going to attract a customer? What's going to attract a consumer? What what will resonate with them as a person and really make them say, you know, if they are hesitating, yeah, I won't, I'm going to try that and make them feel that it's OK to try something and and do that and, and take that leap of faith sort of or take the leap and, and do it and manage their incontinence to the best of their ability. And that's what excites me a lot right now. The product design, making sure that we've got these really neat products that look good, feel good, fit good. The style's great, but it's doing its job, right? So we, we need to make sure that it's doing its job. And that's the number one thing. But some of the other stuff is really fun too. And, you know, getting away from the very I would say clinical looking packaging that, you know, also made people hesitate and didn't make people want to rush out and go buy this, you know, here's your plain one color package. Now we're we're playing with color, we're playing with designs. Again, we're really making this something you want to live life to the fullest. Here's color and here's style and some fun. Yeah, as someone who's also in marketing, I, I think that that side of things is very exciting. And obviously for a business like yours, you have a whole nother layer of complexity to deal with than someone like Bostic, where you have to please the the end consumer online, get them to to want to buy the product. Then once it gets to their home, you can't stigmatize it. Like you said, you have to make the packaging fun and functional and and not prevent them from putting it on. And then once they put it on, you got to want them to put it on again. So a lot of layers of complexity there. I'm, there's all, all sorts of psychology that go into that and uh, and testing and things like that. But it's, it's certainly a challenge. But I think, like you said, I bet it's a lot of fun as well. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We have, we have good times here. Adam's the designer and my team is, is more like, okay, let's take what you, you have and make it, you know, colorful. <laughs> Absolutely. And Adam, I, I think it's a great point on the sustainability side of things and, and um, you know, what, what Bostic refers to as substances of interest and in trying to eliminate chemicals from 
products and things like that that aren't necessary. But as you said, that can't come at the expense of the functionality of the product. At the end of the day, the product has to work and it doesn't matter how biodegradable, how recyclable, how compostable it is. If it's not functioning, people aren't going to buy it. So, you know, you really got to get the functionality down first. And then, as you said, you can kind of incorporate some of these changes in and test them and make sure they work, but don't take away from the, the core functionality of the product, which is a, a challenge that you know everyone in the industry is facing because it's sustain the, the I don't even want to call it a trend, but the, the topic of sustainability isn't it's not a trend. It's it's not going away. It's here to stay, but it's um it's certainly something that people have to adapt to without losing, as I said, the core functionality and the, the core use of of the products. Yeah. And I think, you know, Brands and products that focus more on the lighter incontinence needs for men or women have a little bit more uh, wiggle room there because the needs, you know, the, the products themselves aren't being potentially stressed out by by the use of the product. So they can take a little bit more liberty in, in fashion and sustainability in materials. But when it gets into the the much heavier incontinence needs, we have less flexibility to incorporate materials that don't wick quite as well or provide other, you know, benefits, uh, you know, and so it becomes a little bit more challenging but again so we rely on kind of the some of the development that's going on in in the the baby diaper market the light incontinence market to advance to the stage where now that we can start to incorporate them in in the heavier incontinence market as well yeah i guess i didn't even think of that yeah there's a completely different set of challenges for heavy incontinence than there is with with light incontinence and and kind of a little less flexibility there so that makes that makes perfect sense all right well with that, I want to thank Vicky and Adam from North Shore. On behalf of Bostic, thank you for coming to discuss your portion of the incontinence market and your experience in it. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for, for having us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We've got more great episodes coming on the hygiene market, and we're looking forward to sharing those with you in the coming weeks. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman of Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. You can follow Bostic for more hygiene industry insights on LinkedIn at Disposable Hygiene Adhesives or email us with questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes at hygiene at bostic.com. We'd again like to extend a special thank you to our guests, Adam Greenberg and Vicki Wolpoff from North Shore Care Supply. You can find Adam and Vicki on LinkedIn, where they are both very active, and you can find North Shore on their website, NorthShoreCare.com, or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. We'll include the link to all of their channels in the show notes. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the podcast and share us with a friend or colleague. You can find Attached to Hygiene on our website, and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and now YouTube. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.